0: now it's my turn i know that because the baskets went by that's usually how i remember when the baskets go by we finish the song and then i go up front the baskets didn't go by but then i went up front so that's weird anyway my name is mike gary i'm the pastor here welcome to communitas church we are a church that exists to love god to love people and to serve one another in the Brainerd lakes area and around the world we have worshipped through gathering, just the very nature of getting up and prioritizing, gathering together with the body under the word and, and to come together to worship is in itself an act of worship. We've worshipped through the giving of tithes and offerings, we have, uh, we'll, we'll get into worshiping through listening of the, of the proclamation of the word. And we'll get back into worshiping through song again. This is the part of our service where we worship through communion. It's a time where we, acknowledging that we are uh, the gathered body, publicly uh, proclaim that and affirm that to one another. And as we've said in the past, that uh, this communion is a, it's a time when we Kind of give nod to this ancient meal, this ancient practice that's been going on for thousands of years, and that Jesus uh, celebrated with his disciples, and in doing so, kind of flip the paradigm, if you will, just kind of turned the whole notion on its head, and what, what was once a meal of, of remembrance uh, for, the, for the Israelite people becomes a meal of remembrance for all, an invitation for those to follow Jesus, and an example uh, for us to follow. And so we're going to take a few moments in silent reflection to, to reflect on this, to reflect on who is Jesus and who has he called us to be, both individually and then as a, as a member of a larger body, as a, as a collected group. Uh, who are we as a communitas and how are we going to go out and bless the world around us? And so I want you to just take, take a few moments. And uh, there's, as always, there's no hurry with this. Uh, this is... Just a time for us to reflect on and what the Spirit is doing in our lives and what Jesus has called to and what Jesus has exemplified and to kind of examine our life and just and see what we're doing there and how it's going. Um, so take a few moments, and as you're ready, come forward. We have the elements set out to your left and to your right. Grab the crackers and the juice and bring them back to your, your seat. And uh, I'll read from the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll all partake of this meal together. Lord, guide us in this time of prayer. By your spirit, speak to us. Give us ears to hear, a heart that is softened to you. May we be fertile soil for the seed that you've planted in our life. And may the fruit of that seed bear witness here in this church, among these people, in this community, and around the world. Jesus and his disciples were eating together, Jesus takes the bread, and he breaks it and he says, take, eat, this is my body. And they continued to dine, and he took the cup, and we had given thanks, and gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so this is normally the part of our service where the kids, I'll get to skedaddle, but we're going to do a quick review of the, uh, this casket empty thing. So we've got two more weeks of this, but uh, before we head into, uh, we'll be taking a look at the book of Matthew, and that will take us a few months, we'll just be hanging out in there. So, casket empty. Uh, Nice thing about the weather on a day like this, when we get a little smaller crowd, I'm looking out and I think everyone has at least heard it once, Uh, but we'll still go through it one more time. So Casket Empty is an acronym that we've been using that was developed by some seminary professors at Gordon-Conwell as a way to remember uh, and explain the narrative story of Scripture, uh, so that as we gather to scatter, as we come together and learn about this, go out and and teach and proclaim this in the world around us, we're able to explain it simply. We can hang out, this can be done, you're sitting at a coffee shop with somebody, and you're able to just put it out on a napkin, um, just to try to make it as simple as possible. And so casket empty stands for creation, Abraham, Sinai, kings, exile, temple, expectations, Messiah, Pentecost, teaching, and yet to come. Man, I hear y'all saying it. This is great. We're getting there. All right. Yeah. Um, so let's just run through that. Uh, I'll say it. You repeat it. And we'll get into it. So casket, empty, creation, Abraham, Sinai, kings, exile good all right then what happened temple Temple. all right expectations messiah pentecost teaching and yet to come all right excellent we got it johan's like on it this is great this is great eleanor and henry are teaching me up out there so we like that um okay kids If you want to head out this direction, we've got a couple people who are looking forward to hanging out with you over there. Uh, So we thank you, Lord, for these kids, and we pray that uh, they would grow up in likeness to you and that we would be good examples for them, uh, that we would follow you more closely, and that we would disciple them well. We thank you for Megan and for Pam, Sandy, and Lily. Uh, We know that teaching these kids is not a second class occupation. Uh, We thank you that they take this seriously. And that they take the time to teach them. And Lord, we also pray for those who are not able to be with us today uh, due to various work constraints. We pray for the the folks who are out clearing the roads, um, clearing driveways, and and helping those uh, who can't get out to be able to get out. Okay, so teaching. Talking about teaching today. Uh, We'll do Yet to Come next week, and as I said, we'll be into the book of Matthew, so if you want to get a jump start on that and read through that, come up with some questions, go right ahead. Uh, Lonnie, if you missed it last week, we will see if we can maybe get that up online. Lonnie talked about Pentecost and uh, introduced us to this guy named Paul, and we're going to continue a little bit with his story, so Pentecost and uh, and some of what Lonnie talked about has a lot of overlap with what we're going to talk about today, Uh, but redundancy... When learning about Christ is a-okay, uh, we will never stop learning. Uh, if you are a note-taker, unity in Christ is going to be kind of the headline topic of today. And, uh, and raised, invited, and called are going to be three kind of bullet point issues um, we're going to be mainly hanging out in the book of Ephesians, so if you have a Bible and you want to flip there, feel free. If you have a mobile device and you want to take that out and, uh, and find Ephesians, that way you can. The words will be displayed on both of the screens this week behind me, thanks to uh, Bob Colbinson and some others who helped get that projector up and going. Uh, so preferences, cars versus truck. We got any car people out there who Really like cars? Okay, hey, we got people that really like trucks. Yeah, right? So we got cars, we got truck people. Uh, bikes versus motorcycle. Pedal-powered versus motor-powered. So motor- I, I kind of like to bike. Actually, I like to do both. Uh, you know, so we got that going on. Uh, lake living versus farm life. Like some of us, you know, we want massive acreage live in the middle of it not talk to the neighbors some of us lake life want to go fishing boating whatever anybody preferences sometimes maybe want to do both uh we got into this a little bit leisure versus power sports some of us want to go out do the adrenaline thing do a little motocross ride a dirt bike uh, do the buggies whatever some of us just want to you know go golf or whatever you're into uh, plaid patterns versus solid. Argyle socks, no socks at all. Uh, basketball versus hockey, I know that was, we're coming out of the month of March, into April, maybe. Um, uh, pro sports, college sports, no sports at all. Mac versus PC. We have opinions on Syria, the stock market, uh, GMO versus organic, Amazon, locally made, the school board referendum that just passed. We're all going to have various opinions and preferences on what that is, right? And that isn't what unifies us, or it shouldn't be. The New Testament has a common theme, and that's this, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. If you look at every single one of the New Testament books, you'll see this, this message proclaimed in there, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. And as a result of that being raised, we have been invited to join along and called to act and, and live in a certain way. And so we'll get into that a little bit um, in a moment, but let's talk a little bit more about Paul. So, as Lonnie said, he's an intelligent man who could not be swayed by argument, but was changed in a moment. And he's so he's he's heading down and uh, and he gets discipled by this church that he was seeking to destroy, and then they send him out to build more of these churches. And he goes on three. Uh, what they call missionary journeys, and as Lonnie said, it's you know we think about a mission trip where we you know either get in the big fifteen passenger van and you drive someplace, or is it you know for some of us who are able to make it once this uh, once we're told when we're going to Nebraska, uh, it's going to be hopping in Bob's purple little truck and driving down to Nebraska, or it's going to be taking a plane somewhere, or sometimes it's it's short term, it's long term. It looks like a bunch of different things for Paul. It looked like getting with one of his buddies and going for a sixteen hundred mile walk over a number of years and visiting a bunch of different cities and planting churches in those areas. Okay, so when you get done today, look at the person next to you and be like, all right, we're going and we're going to walk to Vegas. Same deal over mountain ranges, whatever else. I mean, and and, oh, and you're doing this on paver stones, right? It's not, you're not just hopping on, on 35, catching 80 and going over and, you know, taking a left in Salt Lake and heading south. You run, it's, it's, it's the Roman road, so it's, it's pavers, dirt, goat paths, whatever else. So this is what he does. And so he spends, and he heads out, and uh, and, he, and he goes out of this, he does one journey, and he writes a book called, we call it Galatians, or he writes a letter, um, that's what's called Galatians. And then each an easy way to remember Paul, his first journey out, he writes one book. His second journey out, he writes two. First and second Thessalonians. His third time out, he writes three books. First and second Corinthians, in Romans. And if you look, each of those get a little bit longer, a little bit more articulate, a little bit heady or something. By the time he, he does that third journey, I mean Romans, I think there's more commentaries written on Romans than there are in any other book in the Bible. And people are, I mean, they wildly debate that. There's all kinds of stuff in there. And you got to think that as, as the guy who's writing Romans, as Paul is dictating it to him, is just going, oh yeah, that's good. They're going to argue about that forever. <laughs> it's going to be brilliant. Um, and so that's, and he's out and he's part of this uh, in between his first and second missionary journey, he's part of what's called the Jerusalem Council, and this was, as Lonnie said, so part of kind of the, the issues that are happening in the New Testament is you've got this Jewish faith that is experienced as we as we read about in in the casket and even in that into the expectations up until Jesus. They they had this really tumultuous but also a very rich history and a rich faith, and then. With the 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 resurrection of Christ, and all of a sudden, that's that that the, the veil has been torn, and the Gentiles are invited in. And so the council in Jerusalem seeks to answer these questions: of Okay, so there were certain things that we did that God commanded us to do, and now and and now that, that we see the covenant has been fulfilled, what do we do? There were certain outward symbols that were that were shown and, and now, that, now do, do, that the Jews are doing how do, do the Gentiles get to do that there were these we, we talked a little bit about these these Levitic codes like do do the Gentiles have to adhere to that and so these were, these were some of those questions and they said no the veil has been torn those who are on the outside have been brought in those who had limited access to the throne room now by the spirit Are able to walk into the throne room of the Most High God. And so this is, and so it's kind of an interesting thing. So we see this as they've had this, this spiritual experience, and they're trying to figure out how it's going to manifest. And we kind of have that here today, right? I mean, that's sort of that's not unique to the first century church that's part of the human condition we all have certain people that we like or certain ways you know if we all come together and we talked a little bit about this last fall if you were with us but we all have certain preferences and certain opinions we have kind of our guys you know, you've got your go-to author maybe that you really like I me mean, whatever he says just ooh, or whatever, you know, he or she says, just makes sense to you. Maybe you're into a podcast or different pastors where, I mean, their teaching is just, it just makes sense to you and you you don't understand when other people don't think that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Or you've got other, like what other churches do? You've read about that and you go, oh, that's totally the way. Or you, you maybe experienced another church that was just, oh, it was as though the heavens just parted and just came down and everything was just great. And and you go to other places and you go, why, why, why don't we just do it like that? But see, that's the neat thing about faith is that we've, each generation, much like the council in Jerusalem, each generation is called to try to figure out how the gospel applies to the culture that is around them. And then our call is to make that change happen. The kingdom is going to manifest itself differently because, we're going to have, because we live in a changing world. Jesus didn't have to talk to people about cell phone use. That wasn't there. But there's plenty of things to talk about as far as distractions and idols and how to use good things for good and, and not for evil. And so Paul writes these letters, and uh, and he spends... So he, he, he leaves from, from the Jerusalem council, goes on a few more journeys, and eventually he gets placed under house arrest. And from there, he writes what are called the prison epistles. And uh, after a certain period of time, he, he writes these epistles. And he's later um, later killed. But while he's on these journeys, on his second stop, so after he leaves the Jerusalem council, he goes to the town of Ephesus. And Ephesus was the fourth largest town in the Roman Empire. And at the time, it had this huge huge temple uh, to the goddess Artemis. And I think we've got a, a picture, an artist rendering. So it's one of the seven wonders of the world. And you can see those little dots. Um, there's the, like pillars in the staircase. And I didn't get a very great graphic, but uh, this building is, is huge. It's larger than the Parthenon. Um, it's absolutely enormous. And so Paul spends time preaching in this city for three years, as Lonnie said he spends three years for a couple hours a day preaching through just uh, preaching to the folks there. And this is why when we read through the Book of Romans, I mean it's a heady piece. Because he spent all this time, he spent just hours upon hours, I think it's something like three thousand hours, just preaching here in this city, around this temple, to the people there who are going to worship. So do you think that kind of polishes him a little bit? He gets you know, I mean, so there's a reason that when you read And we'll see this in a moment. When you read some of his earlier material and some of his later, he gets real concise. And just like you and I, as we continue to, to share our faith and as we go out and grow in further understanding, what we thought about 10 years ago about Christ should be different than what we think about now. And so I just want to read. Turn there if you want to, but... Um, if you're in Ephesians 1, just flip back one or two pages, you'll find yourself in Galatians. But I just, I'm going to read the intro to Galatians, and then I'm going to read the intro to Ephesians. So here's Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God our Father, who raised him from the dead, and to all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace and peace to you, and peace From God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to deliver us us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Simple, concise. He'd been a Christian for a few years, and he's just opening up with a very simple presentation of the gospel. Now, 20 years later, and after a few thousand miles walked, he writes this to the Ephesian church from his... Under house arrest, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds pretty similar. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious name with which he is pleased with, with which he has blessed us in the beloved of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That's the difference. He's a little bit more polished, but he's had some more experiences. You know, so like, and this is, so this is what we see. He becomes, and, and but what is it that unites us? It isn't the preference. It isn't long intro, short intro, it isn't where we are. For Paul, it wasn't whether you were Roman or you were a Jew. Gentile, it doesn't matter. For him, the unifying factor is that we are united in Christ. And we're done so through the Holy Spirit. So that's our... And so just a great... I just, I just love that reading, if, if you get nothing else from today, just meditating on those words of, of being adopted in and, and called, guaranteed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he continues this invitation uh, in chapter two, verse 11. He says, "Therefore, that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision." So this is Gentiles versus Jews. by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So there's just a little historical background here. So if you remember, we we saw the picture a few weeks back of of the great, just how huge the temple was that Herod had built, and there were different courts into which you could go based on uh, social class, or not, uh, excuse me, not social class, but just based on certain parameters. And there was an outer court where, where the Gentiles could go. So if you were, if you were interested in, in following the Lord, but you weren't, uh, you weren't part of that covenant community, you could still go and kind of check things out. And what Paul is saying here is that's gone. The veil has been torn down. And separation from God only comes through our disbelief. God is opening the door and giving us the invitation to walk through it. And he's saying where there was once two people, the Jews and the Gentiles, he's saying there's one nation. Does this sound familiar? This is the message of the Old Testament, right? This is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant coming together under God as one people, followers of the Lord, as had been intended in the garden. 16 and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Right? So he's saying, we're united by Christ. And we'll get a little bit more into the offense of the cross here in a moment. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in who one spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, some versions say sojourners, but our fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit sometimes it's tough preaching through ephesians because it just it preaches itself right i mean like what what more can you say that christ jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the lord we as the body of christ have been called to grow as that temple to be one and to join together it isn't something that we do alone the faith has always been a communal activity. I think we've, we've referenced that, the old uh, the hiking phrase of if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And so Paul's writing to the, to the folks and he's trying to wake them up to this idea and saying, hey, look, you've got to be, it's not, it's not the person you, you follow, it's not this preference that you have, it's not the city where you're from, it is Christ who unites us. By the power of Holy Spirit through his death and resurrection, you've been called to be one people. So you can put aside all the preferences and all the opinions and be united. And so then comes kind of the question, okay, so what is this supposed to look like? And he answers it here in in, in uh, chapter four. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of, of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility, and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so when we talk about walking in a manner worthy of his calling, so you've got to remember that Paul has this rabbinic background. He has this teaching. And so to walk was to follow in the, in the, the ways of the teacher. And if you, when we we'll get to this a little bit more in Matthew, but when we walk when we look at, at the way that Jesus engaged with the people, wherever there was conflict, he didn't move away, but he always drew near. So when he has the the, the chance to to make these a distinction based on preference where we as, you know, we may kind of by worldly standards do that, he moves toward with humility, gentleness. And patience and then here for the, for the church kind of the outcome of that is that we've been given apostles, prophets, evangelists pastors and teachers, why? to equip the saints that's us, for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ so we're to be united. Why not? Not just because it's supposed to be—it's fun. I mean, let's be honest. There's certain things that happen when when you're with people that you enjoy being around. Like psychologists and sociologists have measured this, right? Like there's happiness that happens. You know, dopamine. Like your 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 synapses start to fire with together, and it's it's pleasant, right? Like that's why we get together with people when we have meals, and and you you just kind of naturally gravitate toward people that you kind of. You know, have things in common with, right? If you're if you're in a large group, they say that if, if you're in a if there's a group of a hundred people and there's two submarine um, workers in that group, they'll find each other within 15 minutes. Just kind of based on how they're wiring, they're wired, like they'll eventually just kind of find one another. You know, and if you're if you're out, you kind of look when you if you if like if you ever go shopping and you look at and you go someplace and you go to where where things are bought and sold and you look around. Um, like if you're in an outdoor store, like you, you, you notice that the people kind of dress pretty similarly. If you go to Fleet Farm, they are going to dress pretty similarly. Like I, I love, I went to a, a bike conference a few weeks back and I'm looking around and I'm like, man, we all like, it's, it's just totally, there's three different characters here and w- there's 700 people there's, and there's three different outfits. Like, right. Cause like, that's what we do. We're wired that way. We're wired to do that. And, and what Paul is saying is that's fine. But remember that the person uh, that, that shares in the faith with you has more in common with the one who looks exactly like you in the mirror and spends their time, their money, their energy, and their resources participating in the same events, but doesn't worship the Lord. And so regardless of what our, what our thoughts are on all these different issues, it's ultimately that Christ is who binds us. So I love this when he says, so he's calling us to to attain the unity of the faith. So that's a mark that we have in the church. So as we we look around and you think, am I participating in unity or am I participating in disunity? And he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Basically saying, hey, look, there's going to be a bunch of different ways to do things. Don't be swayed by a new way. If it's beneficial, use it. That's not to say that you know we don't, we don't practice or don't think about new things, but it's just to say, hey, look, don't be swayed by the new shiny thing. Be moved by Christ. Rather, speaking truth in love, this is the encouragement and the, the counseling piece that George talked about during our announcements. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is, it is equipped, when each part is working properly, and makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's good. And this is the offense of the cross, is it not? It's con- it, 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 it makes sense. It's how we're, we kind of function in this way. We want to huddle into groups and into people at that conference that I talked about. Right? But the offense of the cross is that the, as the world looks into the church, they should see people who have no business being with one another being with and for one another. And that is what is radical. A friend of mine was telling about. He went to. Uh, they were doing some work in in a, in a society that had a caste system where where there was certain people who weren't allowed to be with other people. And one church was planted, and they said, "Yeah, we're going to uphold that in communion." And so there was one group that went to one side, one group that went to the other side to be and you know, just to try to help articulate that or to be understanding of that culture. And they said and the the, the group that my friend was with said, "No, I think we're just going to invite everybody." to the table because of this because we see that the veil has been torn down and as a result that church blew up and so as the church as, so we here at Communitas what is it going to look like as those of us who have no natural connection, connections socially those of us who have you know, just preference wise we kind of look across the room and go I, it's not that I dislike them but I just don't really have anything in common with them what would it look like if we were to move toward them because what we have in common is foundational. And so as we we look to things which define us, we should always be seeking that which does not change and that which is transforming. And so that's why Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he's saying, cling to Christ. It is through the Spirit, not by your own works, not by your own preferences, not by who you listen to, not by who your favorite Christian author is, or your favorite Christian podcaster, or your favorite Christian band. But it's the banner of Christ that unites us. And we've been called and invited into that throne room and sent out as ambassadors to that kingdom, to the world around us. As we continue to die to our old ways and follow Christ more closely. And so we should follow that example of Christ. Not moving toward our preferences, but toward him. I love that line where he talks about the, uh, he says there, the, the strangers and aliens, the strangers and sojourners, that's that court, that's on the outside and saying, hey, look, there were once people that had no business being with one another. And now they have all the business in the world being with one another they're no longer strangers sojourners aliens but are now called brothers and sisters in christ and so may you find yourself in that family as an ambassador of that kingdom let's pray lord thank you for your grace and for the opportunity to serve you Lord, we pray for this church that we would be united not by our, our preferences and song choices, not by our opinions on how things are to be done, but Lord, that we would be united in you, and that we would humbly serve you, that we would gently walk beside you, and that your kingdom would come through us as the world around us looks in and wonders who is it that unites us and may they see you and come to your throne room amen as we gather and scatter as we go out into the world around us may we walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Lord, bless our time together as we continue to fellowship in the back. And as we go out, may we be ambassadors of you, pushing back the forces of evil and ushering in the kingdom of yours. Amen.